You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Well, howdy, tribe. Hello to everyone joining us via Facebook Live and YouTube and everybody listening via podcast at some point in the future. Hello to everyone here in the Cameo Theater and in the Video Cafe. My name's Lee. I'm one of your tribe teachers. And today we are in part three of a series we've called Resilient. And our icon, our depiction of resilience in this series has been a 400-year-old bonsai tree that withstood the World War II atomic bombings of Hiroshima, Japan, but is now on display at the U.S. National Arboretum in Washington, D.C. And so our aim in this series has been to strengthen you so that, like that bonsai tree, when the wars and when the bombs of this life inevitably hit your life, that your faith would not be shaken and that ultimately you would be a display of resilience to the world. And in order to strengthen you, in order to help you, we have journeyed through a letter that was recorded in the first century and has been collected in our Bibles and is known as the first epistle of Peter or first Peter. And today we're going to pick up where we left off in part two last week. And I am especially pumped for what we're going to study in first Peter today. And here's why. Have y'all ever wondered, God, why am I not hearing from you? Or why aren't you responding to my requests? Or have you ever wondered, God, what do I have to do in order to be blessed with an abundance of your provision and your peace? Well, what we're going to explore today in 1 Peter, it very loudly and very clearly answers those questions. We don't have to jump through any hoops. Peter straight up said that if you do and if I do what he encouraged in his letter, that God will reveal himself to you. He will reveal his truths to you. Peter wrote it this way. He said that your prayers will not be hindered. And Peter said that if we do what he encouraged us to do, that you will be applauded and that you will be lauded by our heavenly father such that he will pour out to you an abundance of his affection. Peter had it written this way. He said that you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. Anyone right now in need of inheriting a blessing, if you're joining us digitally, put a raised hand or a thumbs up in the chat. Anybody want their prayers to not be hindered? I know for me, I don't want my prayers hindered. And I want to inherit a blessing. And I want you to inherit a blessing, our entire tribe to inherit a blessing. Now, on the flip side, however, Peter was very clear that if we do not do what he encouraged us to do, that we will not be in the immediate queue to receive an abundance of God's peace and his provision. The overflow of God's attention and God's affections will be poured out onto others elsewhere. Peter had it written this way. He said that the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Now, I'm sure every single one of us that we all would agree that none of us want to miss out on the blessings that our father wants to pour out to us, right? And so today we're going to explore how we can ensure that our prayers will not be hindered and how we can ensure that we will eventually 
inherit a blessing. But before we jump into today's teaching, as always, would you just join me in asking God by his spirit to bless our time and speak to us. Father, we just pray that you would help calm and center us, that you would drown out any distractions and that you would help us be focused on what it is that you have to say to us, that you want to teach us through your scriptures. We are listening for you. We want to be transformed by you. And Father, as always, I pray that you would just use me as an instrument. You would use me as a vessel that the words that come out of my mouth would be encouraging and that they would be an accurate depiction of your goodness and your love for your children. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what did Peter encourage the recipients of his letter to do that would ensure that their prayers were not hindered and that they would eventually inherit a blessing? And how might you and I in our world today do the same? Well, to answer those questions, let's briefly revisit the circumstances surrounding why Peter wrote his letter, the circumstances that his recipients were experiencing. Now, you might remember that Peter wrote his letter around the year 60 AD to various Jesus-centered communities or tribes in the region that is now modern-day Turkey, but what was historically referred to as Asia Minor. And from archaeological work in Asia Minor, like the study of Artemis' temple and the study of the spa city at Hierapolis and ancient irrigation systems and sewer systems and even unearthed wigs, we learn that that region, Asia Minor, was among the most affluent and among the most pagan regions in the ancient world. The people in this region, they thus placed a really high value on social status and on wealth and on external beauty. And so, when the message that Jesus is God entered into their region and when the pagans began to accept that message that Jesus is God and drastically changed their lives to live according to his teachings, well, they stood up like, and stood out like a sore thumb, right? They stopped spending their resources on temple trinkets and carved and graven idols and they stopped spending their resources on trysts with temple prostitutes. And because they lived expectantly for a kingdom that was to come, which they believed was imminent at any moment, many building projects, they were left unfinished and were abandoned. And so these followers of Jesus in Asia Minor, they were seen as a disruption to the economy and they were seen as a disrespect to the emperor and to the empire. We read in other portions of the scripture that they were seen as, check this, men who have turned the world upside down. And we see also that these followers of Jesus, that they were seen as all acting contrary to Caesar Nero's decrees. And so these believers, they were ridiculed and they were mistreated for their faith. Some were dragged out onto the streets and they were beaten by angry mobs. Some were imprisoned and the persecution eventually intensified so greatly that some were executed, beheaded or burned alive for their crimes against the emperor. And as you can imagine, with this ongoing harassment for their faith in Jesus, they began to feel helpless and they began to feel hopeless and many began to grow weary and their faith began to wane and they began to wonder when Jesus would ever return and why Jesus would allow them to suffer such things. And it's partly because of these circumstances that Peter sought to strengthen the believers 
in Asia Minor. And so how did Peter encourage those mistreated believers? And you know, what does this have to do with us today? Well, I imagine that as Peter considered just the right words to have written for his letter of encouragement that he prayed, Father, how would Jesus have encouraged these harassed and helpless folks? And I imagine that what would have come to mind for Peter was an occasion with Jesus that was forever etched in his mind. And so right now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a pin in studying Peter's letter. And you guys, we're going to travel back in time. You're going to flash back with me 30 more years from that point in history to about the year 30 AD. All right. So right now we are in the year 30 AD. And Peter, at that time, he was just a young pup. And he had just very drastically and abruptly changed up his entire life to join Jesus's kingdom movement and to follow Jesus everywhere. And as was the case on almost every occasion, on this particular occasion, a large multitude of people had gathered to hear from Jesus, hoping that he would change their life because they had been harassed. They had been helpless their entire lives. They had been made to feel worthless because of their social standing. And so seeing them, Jesus felt compassion for them. He was heartbroken for them and he began to encourage them. And Jesus basically said to them, look, I see your circumstances and this is not at all the life that I intended for you. And so you guys, you've got to know this, that you were intentionally and you were intricately created in the likeness of our heavenly father. Meaning that the very core of your being, your very essence, is his essence. And you are inherently good. And so no situation and no person can dictate your significance. And no one can take away your capacity to drive out darkness anywhere you are. And what Jesus said, it was as if to say, therefore, let your circumstances be a reminder of why this world needs you to live up to your identity and to live out your purpose. Jesus said it this way. He said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and they would give glory to your father who is in heaven. You would have changed the circumstances, changed the situation. Now let's end that flashback. All right, and you guys fast forward 30 more years back to when Peter was having his letter written. And so having recalled that occasion and having recalled just how impactful Jesus's encouraging message was for him personally, and having recalled just how impactful Jesus's message was for the harassed and those folks who had felt hopeless on that occasion, Peter decided, you know what? He was going to echo Jesus's teachings for his recipients. And he said, almost as if to say, let your light shine. He said, conduct yourselves honorably among the people of the world, among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they, and almost regurgitating verbatim what Jesus had taught, so that they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day that he visits. Both Jesus and Peter, they were saying to you and they were saying to me that you and I, we have got to remember who you are and whose you are and that you were created to do good. And I understand how other people's 
put-downs can be scathing and how their achievement and their slander, how it can be scarring. And I understand how being harassed or ignored because of your skin color or your social status or your lack of wealth or your faith in Jesus, how it's infuriating. And yes, it all sucks. And no, that should not be the case. But remember, according to God himself, no one and no circumstance can define who you are or your purpose. Who you are has already been defined for you. And if you want to know exactly who you are, you have to know exactly from whom you came. And so this is why we very often encourage you guys that you have got to get into the accounts about Jesus. You have got to study the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because when you do, you will see how good God in human form Jesus is. And then you will know how good you are. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. If you want to know what God is like, you've got to know what Jesus is like. And I'm telling y'all, my life did not change. I did not grow in my confidence until I understood Jesus and developed intimacy with him. Now, listen, you, because you are created in our creator's likeness, you are fundamentally good. You're not bad. You are inherently honorable, you're not evil. And you, beneath all of the pain, beneath all of the guilt from the things that you've done and beneath all of the shame from the things that have been done to you, you are a radiant light. You are not darkness. And as such, you are incredibly invaluable and you have a significant contribution to make in the world around you so that people see God's character on display through you. Those of you who are joining us digitally and have the chat feature right now, I want you to tag someone you know and tell them you are a good person. Now, those of you here, tell someone you came with and tell them you are a good person. Y'all, you are good people. But here's the difficult part about this truth. This is the tough pill to swallow for me. You see, what's true about you And what's true about me is also true for that old friend who betrayed your trust. What applies to you and what applies to me also applies to that coworker who backstabbed you and to that boss who's berated you. What's true for you and for me is also true for that person who you're bitter towards and to that ex-spouse who cheated on you or abandoned you. And I hate that. And Peter knew that people like me would wrestle with a truth like this. And so he continued with his letter of encouragement. And again, I imagine Peter flashed back to that occasion that we just discussed a moment ago when Jesus encouraged the harassed and the helpless multitudes. And in another portion of that very teaching, 30 years prior, Jesus essentially said, all right, look, because all people are created in our father's image. And since everyone is fundamentally good and that you all are inherently invaluable, you must care for the well-being of everyone, not just those who care for you. Jesus taught it this way, and it was a most revolutionary teaching never before heard at that point in history. He said, you have heard that it was said, hate your enemy. But I tell you, I, the one with all power and authority, the creator of the heavens and the earth, I tell you, love 
your enemies. So once again, Peter, remembering the impact of that revolutionary teaching, he repackaged Jesus' teaching in a way that would have been relevant for his recipient's situation. And he did so using a word that we all in our world today that we use in order to celebrate somebody for their contributions or whenever they hit a major milestone. But for Peter, that's not what that word meant. For Peter and the recipients of his letter, the word that he used, it meant that we are to treat everyone as precious and as priceless always, simply because they exist, simply because of whose they are and who they are. This word that Peter used, it meant that we all are to appreciate every single person simply for their inherent worth and their intrinsic value as God's image bearers, not merely when they achieve an accomplishment. Now, this teaching, this revolutionary teaching that Peter repackaged, it's our resilient idea for today. So if you're one of those note takers, make sure you write down this phrase. And if you're following along in the scriptures, make sure you highlight, you underline, you circle this phrase. If you're listening only to the audio, make sure you pay attention with intention, internalize this truth. Peter echoed Jesus's revolutionary teaching to love our enemies in this way. He said, honor everyone. Honor everyone. And because this is such a significant truth, and because this is so fundamental to our conversation today about becoming resilient, y'all know what's coming. Here's what we're going to do. For those of you who are joining us digitally, on the count of three, I'm going to say honor who, and you're going to type in the chat in all caps, and you're going to say honor everyone. And those of you here in person, in the Cameo Theater, in the cafe, on the count of three, I'm going to say honor who? And you're going to yell out with passion and conviction viscerally. You're going to say honor everyone. All right. Pretty simple, right? Count of three. I say honor who? And then you guys say honor everyone. I know you're going to help me out, right? All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Honor who? That was really good. All right, we're going to do it one more time on the count of three. Honor who? The response is honor everyone. Here we go. One, two, three. Honor who? Honor Honor everyone. Now, admittedly, this scripture, it has been misused and it has been abused in order to control others and in order for uh, manipulative and narcissistic leaders to create toxic cultures in their faith communities, in their church environments. It's been used to victim blame. And so we've got to get clear what Peter's perspective was and what it looked like as to honor somebody and what it looked like to not honor somebody. And so based on what Peter himself recorded in his letter, I've created a chart for all of us. And on this chart are the very descriptive words that you would find in his letter, at least in our English translations. And so here is what honor is not. All right. Honor is not when you engage somebody with malice and cruelty when you seek to physically harm somebody. However, honor is when you engage them with mercy and compassion. Honor is not when you shame and when you slander somebody, when behind their back you're chattering that chisme, but honor is when you engage them with sympathy and understanding. You invite their insight, you invite their input, and then you mutually submit, recognizing that they are equals. 
Honor is not. You dishonor somebody with hypocrisy and deceit and rejection. But honor is humility. Lowering ourselves and reverence. Appreciating somebody simply for their existence. Honor is not intimidation and threats, but it's gentleness and calmness in our dealings with others. Honor is not insults and envy, but honor is praising others, complimenting them. We've got to appreciate everyone, treat everyone as precious and priceless. And let's get clear also about what Jesus and Peter didn't say. All right. They didn't say to honor only the people who honor you. And they didn't say honor only the people who have a lot of money and who can give you a hand up. And they didn't say honor only those who are accomplished. And nor did they say honor only those who are physically attractive. Or they didn't say honor only those with whom you politically align. And nor did they say, and this one hits home hard for me. They did not say honor only those who are Spurs fans and Cowboys fans. No, we are to honor who? Everyone, even Houston Rockets fans and Texans fans, and they're the absolute worst. I'm kidding. We love y'all. Now, uh, I've been very transparent with you guys, right? I've been very honest with you guys when I teach on topics like today's. And uh, the honesty is that I don't get loving others, even my enemies, and I don't get honoring everyone right all the time. Actually, I get it wrong a lot. Right? I very regularly don't honor my wife in the manner that she deserves. I very regularly don't honor my parents in the way that I should. And when someone dishonors me, it is counter-instinctive for me to want to honor them back. I mean, instinctively, what I want to do is honor them with a fury of inappropriate words. And what happens is I get this little head tilt. And in my mind, my imagination takes me to what I want to do. And so here's normally what I want to do. I want to go John Cena on somebody. Attitude check. I want to go rabbit punch, rabbit punch, pile driver. That's right, my friends. I said pile driver, right? And so if you are a sinner like me, and if you think like me, then you're probably thinking, Peter, you have got some explaining to do, lest I not honor anybody who dishonors me. And so why the heck would Peter tell folks who were harassed and who were helpless to honor everybody, right? And what does it have to do with us inheriting a blessing and having our prayers unhindered? Well, Peter, he wasn't always Mr. Honor Everyone. In fact, he was at one point a nationalist and somewhat of a racist. And in fact, he actually once attempted to murder a man. He pulled out a sword and swung it, aiming for the guy's head, missed, only got the ear. But Peter, having traveled with Jesus for three years, he saw firsthand just how precious and how priceless all people were to God in human flesh. Jesus, Peter saw how Jesus treated according to their intrinsic value, their inherent worth, even those who were least valued by society, those who were marginalized, those who were made to feel worthless. And what was the life of someone who's been marginalized worth? What's your life worth and my life worth? Well, Jesus showed that your life and 
my life, the life of marginalized people. It's worth him being, even though he was completely innocent, punished for the evils of mankind, past, present, and future. Jesus showed that your life is worth him being slapped and spit on and stripped naked and his flesh shredded by 39 scourgings from a Roman whip that was braided with metal shards. Jesus showed that your life is worth him carrying a 100-pound beam 600 meters while he was being mocked and then nailed to that beam and raised on a cross. Jesus showed that your life is worth him being parched and thirsting and in agonizing pain for six hours until he suffocated. And then his corpse pierced with a spear and his personal belongings divvied up and claimed by his own punishers. Your life is so precious and your life is so priceless to our heavenly father. That he desired to save us from the full fury of his wrath for the consequences of our sins, of our misdeeds, of our evils that we commit. And he made a way for his spirit in the here and now to indwell us and to be with us always. So we are never alone. And it is as a guarantee that we will one day be in his presence in peace for eternity. And so... Peter learned from Jesus that your life and that my life, all people are worth dying for. And it's as if he said, as he wrote his letter or had his letter written, y'all, to his recipients, y'all, if God himself established that everyone is so precious and that everyone is so priceless that he was willing to die an excruciatingly painful death for them, then it's probably wise that you and I honor everyone always and never devalue any image bearers. Peter had it written this way. He said, for you were called to this. This is why you have been invited to participate in Jesus's kingdom movement. If you are brand new to the faith and you're trying to figure out what we're all about, this is what we are all about because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when he was insulted. He did not insult in return. He didn't fire off a fury of words. And when he suffered, he did not go John Cena on anybody. He didn't threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly to our good heavenly father. Jesus never devalued anyone. But Jesus's example, it wasn't the only reason that Peter encouraged the folks in Asia Minor to honor everyone always. For Peter, this particular teaching, it was personal. And it was personal for Peter because Peter knew that he should not have had the influence that he had at that time in Jesus's kingdom movement among Jesus's followers. Peter knew that he probably should have, should have been a poor nobody who had faded into obscurity and who was erased from history and very quickly forgotten. Peter knew that his name wouldn't have been carried on, that it shouldn't have been a household name in our world today. Because now for the full story about this, I encourage you to check out a teaching titled Better Recognize Part 13, Scandalous Grace via City Tribe Media. But to make a very long yet powerful story short, there was a time when in the status-obsessed 
Roman world, when Peter lost all of his social currency, nobody would have wanted anything to do with him. They wouldn't, wanted, they wouldn't have wanted to associate with him. His life was effectively over. And at the time when he felt he no longer had any purpose and no longer had any value, that his life did not matter. And while the ancient world, everyone would have rejected him and ridiculed him for his misdeeds, Jesus did not. Jesus compassionately and he mercifully and he reverently and perhaps most importantly, Jesus publicly honored Peter in front of the other disciples. He appreciated Peter simply for whose he was and who he was. He showed Peter that neither his misdeeds nor other people's opinions about him defined him, but that he was still priceless and that he was still precious and that he still had a significant purpose to live out. And then three times for emphasis, Jesus, he emphatically publicly charged Peter to live up to his identity and to live out his purpose to strengthen the other believers in his kingdom movement while he had ascended into heaven. Jesus charged Peter and honored Peter in this way. He said, feed my lambs and take care of my children, shepherd my sheep and feed my sheep a third time. Jesus stated it. Jesus never devalued Peter. And it was this public yet intimate honoring that let loose the light that had been inside of Peter all along. And it birthed in Peter this conviction to honor everyone. And it catalyzed and it catapulted in him a desire for everyone to know who Jesus is so that they would know how good Jesus is and so that they would know how good they inherently are. And so Peter knew personally just how critical it is for me and how critical it is for you to show someone who seemingly doesn't deserve any kind of honor just how precious and priceless their life actually is. Because as we've seen with Peter's story, you never know how just a single moment of honor, three simple phrases publicly, how it can change the trajectory of or even save a person's life. And ultimately change the course of human history as we know it. And you know what? Modern science, it corroborates this. Here's what I mean. So, all right, quick scenario here. All right. Imagine that you guys were just feeling really, really generous. And you decided for whatever reason that you wanted to give me a cash gift. Which, you know, I willingly accepted. Right? And when I accepted your generosity, this cash gift, what ultimately you guys would have done was you would have activated a certain portion of my brain that's associated with warm, fuzzy feelings and that's associated with my sense of worth. Now, interestingly, the same part of my brain would likewise be activated if you simply gave me a compliment or if you wrote me a really nice note or if you honored me in any way, right? You could have saved yourself a lot of money if you just honored me. And so by honoring me, you would literally increase my sense of worth as if you had increased my financial worth. What social cognitive neuroscientists have discovered is that the biggest factor in what a person believes about himself or what a person believes about herself, it is not these daily affirmations that they might repeat or meditate on. 
What a person believes about themselves is largely influenced by how others treat them and by what others say about them. Meaning that with each act of honor, go back to our scenario, each compliment, each love note, each cash gift, whatever you wanted to do to honor me, you would inch me closer to understanding my true worth, my true value and just how precious and how priceless I actually am. And so just like Jesus and just like Peter taught, you do in fact have the capacity to improve your circumstances and to drive out darkness anywhere you are, even if just slightly. You have the opportunity to help your cranky coworker or your self-serving boss discover the good, the light that is within them. But not just that. Back to our scenario. When you honor me in any way, you would reinforce in me the positive and the productive behaviors that you would want me to repeat. And so over time, you would have created a healthier, less toxic environment. And in time, you would have won me over as an ally. And our dealings together, it would have been much more pleasant, much more fulfilling for you. Perhaps this is why Peter wrote, who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? Brief caveat here, all right? This letter was written in a very different time in human history when we didn't have the rights then that we have today when it was very difficult for women to get a divorce and when a certain form of slavery was commonplace. A lot of that stuff, we would say, well, that's not cool today, all right? So this does not apply if you are in a physically, uh, emotionally, mentally, sexually abusive relationship, all right? In that situation, my recommendation is you connect with a friend that you trust and develop a safe plan to help you escape those circumstances, ASAP. Your life is worth it. But in most other circumstances, on top of everything that we've just discussed, honoring others, it will shift your perspective to being more optimistic and to being more positive which ultimately is associated with better well-being and less perceived pain, you will be able to endure so much more and it heightens your creativity. So you'll be able to find amazing solutions to escape or even change your circumstances. And if all that isn't encouraging enough for you to strive to honor everyone always, let's go back to where we started. Peter said, if we do what Jesus taught and what he wrote in his letter, God will not be silent towards you. You will eventually be rewarded. He said that your prayers will not be hindered. And he said that you were called for this. This is why you've been invited to participate in Jesus's kingdom movement that you would make an impact in the world and that you may inherit a blessing. So when we started, everyone raise their hands. I want to inherit a blessing. I don't want my prayers hindered. How do we ensure that our prayers aren't hindered? How do we ensure that we eventually inherit a blessing? We honor everyone. So brief recap. Here's what Peter encouraged us to do today. He said that you, we all were created in God's likeness. And he said that you, we all are inherently honorable. We are intrinsically good and so you, we all, we must honor our fellow image bearers just like Jesus modeled. 
And when we do, honoring them will change what they believe and how they behave. And ultimately, it'll change what you believe and how you behave. And more importantly than that, God will honor you when you honor others. So with all that being said, home stretch right here. Here we go. Here's my challenge to all of us here. I am challenging you, this entire tribe, even if you're joining us digitally, to take the seven-day honor challenge, the seven-day honor challenge. That is, commit to, at least just this week, kind of to test drive all of this stuff, to once a day honor just one person of your choosing. And I'm not telling you to track down that bully that traumatized you all throughout school, And I'm not telling you to re-engage in that abusive relationship that you rightly and wisely and courageously left. No, I'm challenging you to start and practice with somebody that you're ready to start honoring. All right, so think of a certain person and the first person that comes to mind, hold on to that person. So if you're joining us digitally, we have a resource to help you with that. You can download a graphic from City Tribes. City Tribe's Facebook and Instagram profiles. And those of you who are in the Cameo Theater and in the Video Cafe, get out the card that you received when you walked in. And here's what you're gonna do. All right, so each morning this week, perhaps after you've done your first Peter Bible reading plan, you're gonna pray through the questions that are on the graphic. And whatever Jesus' spirit tells you to do to show that person just how priceless and precious they are, Whatever Jesus' spirit tells you to do to honor that person, you do it, and you do not delay. All right, that's part of the seven-day challenge, and so we're going to practice right now. I'm going to tell you a little bit how this would look for me. All right, y'all play along, so think of that person that you're ready and willing to begin honoring. So for me, that's my wife, Christine. I would wake up in the morning, I would look at this card, perhaps do my first Peter Bible reading, and then I would pray, Father, would you remind me of how good you are? And I would pause and I would meditate on that. And perhaps what God would bring to mind for me is Jesus's willingness to die and take the wrath of God so that I wouldn't have to experience it. And I would say, God, you are so good. And then I would pray, Father, would you help me see that because I am created in your image and that your spirit indwells me just how good I am? That by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that I have that power for new life and to help others and make an impact. Show me how good I am. And then I would pray, Father, would you help me see the good in, and this is where you insert the person of your choosing. For me, it's Christine. Help me see the good in Christine and how she's also created in your image. And then I would pray, Father, how might I honor Christine right now? And being true and being faithful to this exercise, what came to mind for me is that when I go home, I better stop at the grocery store at H-E-B. I better get her some chocolates, right? I want to be faithful to you guys too, right? And then, though, we want to make sure that we're hearing the right voice. So turn the card over. For those of you with the digital graphic, go to the next graphic. And let's just make sure, is it really honoring Because if whatever you hear, whatever image or idea comes to mind, if anything falls on the left side, on this left column of maliciousness or cruel or it's shaming or it's slanderous, don't do it. Like, I'm not going to get Christine chocolate-covered cockroaches on the way home or anything like that. 
But if it's on the right side, the right column, if it's merciful, if it's compassionate and sympathetic, if it's with humility and reverence and praise, you absolutely do it. You do not delay. You make it happen. And so save this graphic to your lock screen. So it's the first thing you see when you pick up your phone. Keep this card somewhere where you're going to see it first thing in the morning for the next seven days only. Y'all can do this. I believe in you. And I want you to repeat this exercise every single morning this week. If it carries on for the rest of your life, man, amen to you. All right. So quick question. Who's down to accept that challenge? If you're down to accept that challenge digitally, right? I accept. All right. But look, I believe in you guys. You can do this. You were made for this. And so here's what I know. This is it. Because you work at honoring everyone, just six months from now, your whole outlook will be more optimistic. You'll begin to see the good in yourself and you'll begin to see the good in others that God's essence is within everyone. And so perhaps you will make a friend at work. Perhaps that annoying coworker will be a little more fun to work with or that boss that you didn't enjoy, it might be a little more fulfilling to go to work for you. Perhaps you'll spark some intimacy in your marriage once again. And I believe that your confidence will grow as you see your capacity to make an impact in others' lives. And because you work at honoring everyone, just as Jesus promised and just as Peter promised, I know that God will show up in your lives. He will reveal himself to you. You will inherit a blessing. And so you will feel an even greater sense of purpose and passion and peace and power and promise about your future. You will feel that you have moved further along on the field toward flourishing. You will be like that bonsai that's on display at the U.S. National Arboretum. You will be more resilient. And so, honor who? Honor everyone. We're going to pray. We're going to close out. Before we do, just a couple of brief announcements. Next week, we're going to continue with this series, Resilient Part 4, but also today, immediately after this gathering in the video cafe at 2.30, join us for Fireside. It's a conversation about Jesus and our faith, and today specifically is Prayer 101, Knowing more about how you can hear from God and receive from God with our prayer team leader, Linda Prenders. There's no one better to lead that. Secondly, as always, we genuinely appreciate your generosity to help fund and keep this faith community, this tribe, as a part of Jesus's kingdom movement where we can get out messages like today's that the world needs to hear, that we need to honor everyone and love our enemies. And so people can know how good our God is and how good they are. And ultimately, we at least change the world around us. And so before you go, before you close the web browser, just visit citytribe.church slash tithe, or you can give via text. You can give via mail to the address that's on the screen. Those of you who are here in person, visit one of the giving stations. We appreciate your generosity. We steward it as well as we can to honor you. And so thank you guys in advance, whether it's a penny or your entire paycheck, you are appreciated. And now with that, brothers and sisters, let's pray and you will be dismissed. If you're here in person, be sure to await your usher to escort you out. So Father, we thank you for Peter and the letter that he wrote to encourage us. And we thank you that he just made it very, very clear how our prayers are to not be hindered and how we might inherit a blessing. And so our ask of you is that as we go in this week, especially as we take on this honor challenge, that you would help us 
see just how good you are so we can understand just how good we are and how good inherently the people around us are, even our enemies. Help us look for opportunities to honor everyone that we would experience the life you created us to experience. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.